As soon as she had finished reading the poems, Yuan praised them all warmly. But Cousin Lin's and Cousin Xue's poems are especially good, she said. Our Jia girls are no match for them. Dai Yu had confidently expected that this night would give her an opportunity of deploying her talents to the full and amazing everyone with her genius. It was very disappointing then that no more had been required of her than a single poem and an inscription. And though she was obliged to confine herself to what the Imperial Concubine had commanded, she had composed her octet without enthusiasm and in a very perfunctory manner. Meanwhile, Bao Yu was far from finished with his consignment. So then we have this scene where the same thing happens that you observed before, which is one by one her family members come up to make their bows, and in turn they are excused from doing so. Um, although Yuentran doesn't excuse them herself, a lady-in-waiting waits for them to approach, and then as they begin to bow, she says, Mian, which in this case means, like, excused, basically, no yeah, need. Exempt. Right. Yeah, exempt, exactly, exactly. But it's very kind of formal, this scene, because the they don't yeah. simply say it, they decree it. The character is yu, right, which is a word, it's meaning like it, an imperial decree, that kind of thing. So there is this kind of forced formality to this scene where, I don't know, it's kind of strange because you kind of think all of the important people in the scene don't really... Uh, Perhaps none of them actually wants to do it, but they all feel compelled to observe it because that is sort of correct and proper in a way. I mean, it's really important that Grandmother Jia is exempted because you can't have old people kneeling. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, I was thinking about that, you know, how that could be a problem if it wasn't, uh, if the ritual wasn't observed properly. You could. You can't have old people kneeling. That could cause serious damage. Yeah, and um, especially if she has to actually make a like a, a kowtow, you know, where she not merely has to kneel, but actually has to bend over and tap her head to the floor. That would play hell with your arthritis, wouldn't it? Right. So they, I mean, everything goes according to um, what is proper. And, and they all start crying, basically. Mm. Um, and yeah, exactly. When they... When they finally got all of the ceremonies out of the way and they're finally able to just be alone together as people, then mm -hmm. it's so hard for them to know, you know, there, there's there's no there's no guide to what they should say or how they should act in this case. And so they all just kind of, they sit kind of, I, yeah, I imagine that they're kind of all sort of hugging one another and just quietly crying. And they're sort of getting a sense for how the 
there's no precedent and they're still not entirely familiar with some of the uh the royal proceedings and so there's a question of why uh, Bao Chai and Dai Yu are, are not there and then um Yuan Chun is informed that you actually you have to like especially invite them which she does and then they immediately come a moment later yeah uh, the, the reason that they're not invited is because they're not technically jazz right so then they they are yeah. neither they're not people who have the name the surname jia or are married to someone who does right because bao chai is a she's a xue and her mother is the sister of lady wang so bao yu's mother yeah neither xue bao chai xue bao chai nor her mother are are are, are jazz and abs- the same is true of lin daiyu right she's a she's a lin she's not a jia mm-hmm. You're right. When they're all standing around kind of crying together, there's the silence is finally broken by Yuan Chun. And I feel like there's a slight kind of tone of maybe rebuke or at least regret in her words. So in the Hawks she says, It hasn't been easy winning this chance of coming back among you after all those years since I was first walled up in that place. Now that we're seeing each other at last, we ought to talk and be cheerful, not waste all the time crying. I shall be leaving in, again in no time at all, and heaven only knows when I shall have another chance of seeing you. So, mm. I, I mean, I, 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 there's a kind of surface level meaning here, which is is fairly clear, which is you know, will be familiar to many people. Which is you know, come on, let's not just stand around crying. I've come all this way to see you. Let's actually, let's actually, you know, let's actually see each other. Let's talk and 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 things. But in that first sentence particularly, there's a sense of, you know, she does seem to be a bit regretful right the way she refers to the palace in in chinese is na so it's like a yeah that that place where i can't see people you know mm-hmm. where where i'm unable to see anyone and maybe in that sense she just is referring to not being able to see her family members but i think quite possibly it's it's more like she really lives kind of at the emperor's pleasure she has all of her servants and eunuchs and things who presumably she may be more or less close to. Um, but she probably doesn't have much in the way of uh, friends and certainly no f- family there in the palace with her. Mm-hmm. Partly on account of all these security measures and these and this concern over, of course, um, you know, her capacity for pregnancy and the need for that uh, child absolutely to be the emperor's uh, so it's partly imprisonment it's partly a kind of the term I want to use is like a commodification which is totally ahistorical in, in some ways but you see how it is kind of a precursor to the commodity form where you have something of value and it's isolated rather than a, a matter of production it's a matter of reproduction yeah uh, um, yeah, the reproduction definitely. of reproduction, and so that's really yeah. You, you could see how that would be extremely, in many ways, non-ideal. Yeah, definitely. She, she, yeah, she's she's been lifted to this lofty status, but as we said, it's it's a golden cage. You know, she's mm-hmm. she exists for the purpose of uh, being the emperor's sexual partner. There's the there's the possibility that you know they can be more than that. That that. A, a genuine, you know, affectionate romantic relationship could rise up between them. Um, but yeah, she absolutely does uh, exist as a thing for him. 
as an object mm-hmm. for him to take pleasure from. Yeah. And also, just one other thing here. She uses the, the verb, when she talks about being sent away, she uses the word song. Uh, that's the verb, which means it implies being sent rather than having gone herself. Um, and I, I suppose, you know, when the emperor invites you to be a concubine, there's absolutely no question of saying no or exercising any kind of free will in that situation. But it does feel like in her choice of wording, there is perhaps just a very mild rebuke aimed at her family uh, or a sense of, yeah, perhaps sadness at having been sent, you know, having been sent away from them. Mm. So, you mentioned her conversation with Jia Zhang, i.e. Her, her father. Right, right. This is the next, um, of the interactions, this is the most uh, startling, I think, in many ways where it seems as if with the other uh, family members, there are these formal procedures, but they're all one by one, uh, like waived. They're exempted. Um, but whereas with Jia Zheng, it seems as if the exemptions are not uh, permissible, right? And so she, throughout their interactions, she addresses him through a curtain and he speaks really formally and there's no sense that either of them is allowed to uh, broach that formality. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned it before, right? That the the reason why she would have been kept in such strict seclusion is exactly because of the worries about paternity. They have to be absolutely certain that she, if she becomes pregnant, it's with the emperor's child and not some mm-hmm. somebody else's. And yeah, this this kind of Herder is extended to uh, her own male family members, including her father. Especially the father, I thought. It seemed not so subtly Freudian almost. Like, I, I don't know if I was overinterpreting that, but it's like, okay, it seems like your father wouldn't be a threat, but you would certainly I, hope I guess, yeah. I guess the idea is that. That bond still has that kind of um, residual or like resonating uh, familiarity to it yeah. that is, for some reason, unpalatable yeah. for the like imperial gaze, if you will. Yeah. G A Z E. Yeah. She she again um, like how how she occupies this gilded cage, right? So she says that she despite the kind of luxury and splendor that she enjoys, she does not enjoy, like, as in she doesn't have the advantage of things that even the poorest peasant would, i.e. being able to mm-hmm. being able to see, you know, and speak to her own father. Yeah. Which reminds me a little bit of Bao Yu's comment in Chapter 7, where he is uh, kind of lustful of what he perceives as the immediacy of Qin Zhong's uh, manner of being. Yeah, his his relative poverty, Qin Zhong's relative poverty compared to mm-hmm. Bao Yu is, as you say, is, yeah, he is lustful of it, right? He, And he sees it as, you know, a, some better way to, to be than, than his own, than his own kind of richer existence. Mm. And, and so recently I've been rereading uh, Nietzsche's 
birth of tragedy. And so now I'm imagining this kind of this imperial uh, dreamscape as a kind of Apollonian distance from a more Dionysian, like the common form of the the, the, the satyr and the uh, and, and drunken revelry. There's uh, a little bit of those tones and timbers, I think, in this interaction. Yeah, I think that parallel absolutely exists, doesn't it? Between kind of poor but free on the one hand and um, rich but kind of constrained by mm-hmm. these various ceremonial forms. Like ordered and hierarchical, but also uh, kind of lifeless and rigid and uh, versus, yeah, like dirty and dusty, but also full of vigor and life. So she and Jia Zhang have this conversation. And despite it's very kind of um, almost kind of ludicrously um, formal tone, uh, you can see the kind of affection that they have for one another shining through nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular you want to pick out from, from that conversation? Or I think we can probably continue. I, I want to spend a little more time on the, on the poetry. And, uh... <clears throat> so next she asks why Bao Yu is not present. And the explanation is that the men folk of the family are not supposed to see Yuan Chun without special reason. But she has him brought in straight away. And, and again, there's hugging and there's tears, um, as you would expect for two who are so kind of, kind of close and fond of one another. In this case, the curtain is uh, lifted, right? Uh, and finally, they, they go off and see the garden, right? They go for a tour. They show her around and, and, and kind of she, she gets to see everything. And so we are reintroduced to some of the spaces that we first got a glimpse of last chapter. And so we see uh, the phoenix dance, fragrant red and lucent green, the hopeful sign, <laughs> uh, and finally the garden of spices. And should we review what these spaces are, or yeah. should we assume that? Yeah, no. Let's let's review. So so what is the phoenix dance? The phoenix dance was the first space, right? Yeah. Um, that was after the giant, the the giant hill, with the. the the green jade appearance, um, greenish blue jade. So the Phoenix dance is a small three-framed house. This is surrounded by thickets of green bamboos. Um, and then you have a, a garden uh, dominated by a flowering pear tree behind it. And this is the one that Bayou christens the Phoenix Dance. Mm. Um, and he wrote a, a, a couplet about uh, steam rising from brewing tea and uh, fingers still cold after a game of Go. Yep. Yep. So they see that, and then they see fragrant red and lucent green, which is... This is the little mock farm, isn't it? So you have a crab apple tree, which is red, and you have banana or plantain palms, which are this kind of bright green. Um, and and so the name is a reference to the contrast of those two, which are kind of in abundance. Should we say that she's she's renaming the places? Yeah. So she, she renames the Phoenix Dance. Uh, 
to what what is it in the Hawks it's trans the Nyads the Nyads house the Nyads house yeah so a Nyad is a is a Greek it's an ancient Greek kind of nymph isn't it um, like a, a a water nymph right yeah so this is this is quite a sort of divergence from the Chinese uh, the Chinese is um, Xiaoxiangguan so Guan is like a, a house or building and Xiaoxiang is literally uh it refers to kind of what's now hunan province in central southern china um um but it kind of means a land of lakes and rivers that sort of thing um and and there is a kind of mythological quality to it because the name originally comes from uh something called um shanghai jing the 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 classic of mountains and seas um mm-hmm. which is a, a kind of kind of geographic text but but a very mythological one um from i think the warring states period so before the the existence of imperial china as we understand it um, uh-huh. a naiad by contrast is a is a kind of ancient greek nymph goddess usually mm-hmm. that occupied a, a stream or some water feature and yeah they were i think traditionally nurses of the young protectors of girls and young women um and they kind of oversaw their passage from 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 childhood to to adulthood so it's kind of capturing a bit of the same spirit but it's quite different in in the hawks whereas uh fragrant red and lucent green is changed to crimson joys and green delights and so um yeah it's capturing much of the same spirit but i think she just prefers the way that the other name sounds right so it was originally it was hong xiang lu yu so mm-hmm. red fragrance green jade and she changes it to yi hong kuai lu which means kind of yeah joyful red and happy green they then go on to see yeah the hopeful sign which again is another one of these like funny uh mock mock villages this is one where uh as i remember the buildings are made of like uh they're like mud brick almost um so they're not kind of painted to look nice like they're it's it's deliberately presented as a kind of kind of mock rural idyll you know right like a rust a fake a faux rustic austere countryside you know uh back to the earth kind of thing absolutely and we called this you know this was the very most kind of marie antoinette um mm-hmm. moment of the of the previous chapter it's the one that most kind of uh embodies that that worldview either that or having a little nunnery i think is also in the running for most hyper real <laughs> i i yeah I, I do know what you mean yeah it's that that is very surreal isn't it it's very bizarre it's very peculiar having, including a nunnery just for the purposes of making the garden more kind of delightful. So, uh, so the, the hopeful sign, um, which, yeah, is, is this mock village is, um, and this is the one which is named after, um, a tavern in a, in a apricot village in a, in a, in an old poem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. she changes the name to, Washbrook Farm. Okay. 
or rather she she doesn't change the name she adds the name to it um which in chinese is um huan ge shan zhuang so huan being to wash ge being like hemp clothes you know rough rustic clothes and shan zhuang being kind of mountain village you know mountain abode and again this is calling back to the story of the the kind of the good wife the good daughter-in-law washing her her husband's clothes um and i suppose it's kind of a reference to herself uh, as imperial concubine we mentioned that last episode last chapter yes, we did. i believe yes, we did. in in baoyu's poem there is uh, a very similar image is there not yep there is there is uh and then last of all she sees the garden of spices so the the garden of spices is this small enclosure where it's walled but a ridge of the mountain kind of cuts straight through the middle um yeah. and a single prominent part of the mountain rock kind of rises up from the ground and it's wreathed in all of these different special and rare kinds of plants and flowers all with their own very kind of distinct fragrances so that the the smell of the area is very kind of like rich in in kind of floral fragrance this is my favorite uh, what one of my favorite spots i really kind of want to see this reproduced i'm really curious how this would because it, it seems very uh sublime yeah yeah have this enclosed mountain with this sensory overload it's really interesting yeah and they they imagine kind of being lulled to sleep there you know going to read a book there and finding yourself overpowered by this the the kind of sense and that carrying you away uh to sleep i think that would be amazing to see wouldn't it and then last of all she gives a name to the garden itself right and this is really important right um yeah so she names the garden prospect garden in the hawks translation in chinese da guan yuan so yuan being garden and da being big guan is to look out so in that sense da guan is prospect i'd be interested to know your 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 view on this name for me it was almost like great expectations garden in the previous chapter Bao Yu is expressing his um, skepticism toward the whole project, toward the garden. And he says something to the effect of, well, you know, this isn't really some great view. And the exact uh, expression he uses is Cifei uh, Da Guan, which is the same Da Guan as Da Guan Yuan. So it's as if there's a, there's a contradiction between like a, a uh, like a dead contradiction between Bao Yu's assessment in chapter seventeen and Yuan Chun's naming in chapter eighteen, like is it or is it not? Again, we're in this liminal space between reality and fiction, between great beauty, a great view, and a, a fake view, and so it's not clear whether the Da Guan Yuan is is in fact a Da Guan, is in fact a great view. Uh, there seems to be the question between these two chapters has been raised. I think that she certainly feels that it's a you know it's appropriate to give it that kind of name in in honor of its kind of grandeur, right? Mm, okay. But but I uh, maybe you know I think it's right to say you know that there there is some kind of skepticism over it, right? I was struck by something slightly different, which is 
is this a the garden itself is a is a physical representation of Yuantrun's changed status and by extension the the changed status of the whole family right so her elevation to concubine means she's in imperial favor which means her family is in the good books and to receive her but also as a statement of their their new you know imperial favor they've built this grand garden right and the building of it is a statement of uh i guess kind of hope and expectation for the future because they're in the emperor's favor you know good times are here to stay and so i thought the name da guan yuan was almost a statement of intent about um the meaning of the garden and its symbolic importance it's future significance it's yeah it's it's kind of uh a, a, as an investment in a sense yeah yeah absolutely uh, something with future returns and so she is the investment she's been deposited in the imperial account and now they're yeah they're uh expecting profits and uh good fortunes yeah so she she gives a couple of other places some some additional names uh i don't know if we need to go through them all in 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 sequence although you know lots of them are very very pretty sounding um yeah i think we got the gist of it for sure yeah. so next of all yuan chun begins in addition to coming up with uh names for different parts of the garden she also starts writing little poems for different parts so she writes a couplet to go with the the main reception hall uh the um i think it's called uh da guan lo uh as well right mm-hmm. uh the yeah. great great prospect hall and then she also goes on to do a little quatrain you know a four line poem about the garden itself and and how kind of wonderful it is so yeah, maybe we can just we'll just have a quick look through them. Uh, I mean, the initial couplet is—it's very kind of standard stuff, um, at least on my reading. You know, it's there's a kind of pomposity to it. Uh, it. It's not kind of deeply poetic. It's a little stilted, maybe, right? Yeah, in the Hawks, it's uh, so this is outside the hall, it kind of down the two sides of the doorway. I'm imagining for all Earth to share, his great compassion has been extended that children and humble folk may gratefully rejoice. For all ages to admire, his noble institutions have been promoted, that people of every land and clime may joyfully exult. And so I guess it's kind of in honor of the emperor, that's who him, or, you know, that that's who he is in the, in the poem. Right, it's kind of steeped in this imperial um, kind of son of heaven ideology. Yeah. And so what Hawks has as for all earth to share, that's TND, this you know, heaven and earth, this kind of stock expression, this common image that appears in so much of this kind of imperial ideology. What Hawks has as the children and humble folk in the original is Chirzi Tsang Sheng. And so that's Chirzi is uh, it can be a, a newborn baby, but it also designates the ruler's subjects, right? So it's the, the paternal relation extended to the uh, the imperial ruler-ruled relationship. And then uh, Tsang Sheng 
can mean kind of um, this uh, the place where vegetation uh, grows, but it also designates common people. You know, the the, the masses. The, yeah. I, in this in this case, it's more of like a an agricultural metaphor. It is, yeah. Um, and you know, interestingly, Chuzi, the word for children, there is uh, literally the red ones, right? Yeah, the red chat, the red sun. Yeah, so you red boy. exactly you you imagine the newborn baby baby being kind of bright reddish pink, right? So I guess it's kind of that, but but again, it's the kind of color coming through in the sort of symbolic names mm, or metaphorical yeah. names for things. And again, yeah, it's tongue, the red of flesh of like new flesh. Yeah, and the tongue yeah. of Songsheng, like the the kind of older the the common folk, that itself is a is a kind of deep green color. Right, and we saw that before um, in the the green plantains and the red flowers, uh, in in the one setting. You mentioned the use of the 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 term tiandi to be, you know, heaven and earth, you know, mm -hmm. everything and all creation. It then uses yes. another phrase, Jiuzhou Wan Guo, so the the nine continents and or the nine provinces and the ten thousand nations. Uh, again, meaning yeah, kind of you know everything, all, all that exists, um, mm -hmm. and they're kind of they're blanketed with his um, grace and glory, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so it is a very formal work. I would say, yeah, extremely stilted. Yeah, yeah. The emperor is wonderful. He's so wonderful. Everyone is happy and loves him, and. And that's pretty much it. The the irony, I guess, here is that, and th this is actually some of these comments in this poem directly contradict some po some comments later made, in that this space is by no means for all Earth to share. This microcosm of the greater universe is a a private, completely private, establishment. This isn't a public park, you know. This is uh like a private residence. Yeah, and in uh, fact, they don't want to share it with anyone else, you know? No, I, I mean, and maybe you can't on, on account of these, you know, security concerns, right? So then her other poem is, I think it's a little better. It's still not kind of outstanding, but it's okay. it's, it's decent. Do you want to read the, the hawks? Okay, yeah. Um, Embracing hills and streams, with skill they wrought. Their work at last is to perfection brought. Earth's Fairest prospects all are here installed. So, Prospect Park, let its name be called. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's still a bit kind of... Because it's intended to serve this formal or ceremonial function, there is a slightly stilted um, quality to it. But it is kind of lauding the, the wonderfulness of its creation. And I guess there's a... There's something that's not quite carried over in the English. I mean, it talks about with skill they wrought, their work at last is to perfection brought. But the second line in the Chinese is 多少功夫, uh, So how much is 多少功夫 is, is in this case like hard work, um, you know, time and effort. And then the last three characters are, are essentially the the construction being finished, the, the the garden having been completed. So it's a, it's a kind of expression of amazement at how much work has gone into completing this this great thing. To me, 
there was a slight echo of um maybe the author himself talking about how do you kind of do you get that impression at all that this is him saying you know um and by the way this book itself with all of its poems and all of its descriptions and all of its richly drawn characters you know that was quite mm-hmm. a lot of hard work as well <laughs> that, that definitely could be right because this garden represents uh this universe right as much as a dream in chapter five represented this universe and so yeah i mean yeah this is kind of uh the book's party for itself it's a kind of a celebration of and again we are still sort of just beginning even though we're i'm chapter 18 and we've made it through hundreds of pages right but um i I feel like we finally now have produced the space that we're like gonna live in so to speak so she's done her kind of commemoration and she intends to do a you know yet more uh she says, uh, you know, later on when I have more time to spare, I intend to write a description of Prospect Garden and a set of verses to be entitled The Visitation in commemoration of this wonderful night. Mm. But that is still to come. And for the time being, she asks all of the um, women present to each write their own poem about the the moment. So they're all going to they're all going to write poetry together. Um and then she specially asks Bao Yu to write not one but four poems, and these specifically should be about her four favorite places in the garden. That being the the Nayad's house, so Xiaoxiangguan, uh, Allspice Court, Hengwu Yuan, the guard, the House of Green Delights, so Yi uh, Hong, Kuai Yu, and and Washbrook Farm. Um, so they all go off and write their poems and some of them are better poets than others some some have a bit of skill so you feel like uh, it says that um tan chun bao chai and dai yu were all kind of good poets the remainder found you know it was quite difficult to to string anything together and so xue bao chai and lin dai yu find it so easy to knock out one poem that they then each individually go off and help out Bao Yu who's kind of struggling with his his assignment of doing four four poems mm-hmm. there's some indication especially that Dai Yu who's as usual uh, the most temperamental uh, is like actively disappointed that her poetic talents can't be uh, expressed in this limited medium and so while her poem is really good it's also kind of perfunctory in a way that like well you know like I'm not going to try too hard because this task is not up to my uh, to my abilities yeah uh, so which is really funny and really entertaining. mentally I barely need to break sweat you know so yeah we have this funny scene where first Bao Chai goes off and helps out Bao Yu uh, and she suggests that he correct one term to another one because she thinks the term in particular is this phrase uh, lu yu, so green jade mm-hmm. that used to be in the name of one of the places until Yuan Chun changed it. And so Bao Yu is still going to use the old name in his poem 
But Balchai says, well, you shouldn't do that because she's changed the name. And in doing so, she's expressed that she's kind of not happy with it as a name. So if you include it again, that will be kind of a, a middle finger to her. Yes. And so she helps him pick something else instead, and thus the poem is finished. And then, separately, Lin Daiyu comes in, and she sees that he's struggling. He's got three out of the four done, but he's struggling with the fourth. And so, you know, in a matter of minutes, she knocks together um, something to serve as the fourth poem. But instead of just giving it to him, she rolls it up into a ball and throws it onto his desk. Um, and then he picks it up, unravels it, reads it, and thinks, "God, this is brilliant!" And and so, you know, he he picks that as the fourth poem. I think the the crumpling it up is uh, it's in the style of cheating on your homework or cheating on a test. I think where it's a kind of like a like a I think it's supposed to be like a covert gesture. Um, you know, you like you, you very quickly, you know shoot the note across the room and then you you read it really quickly and discard the evidence maybe yeah i i uh, I, I, I i agree with that i think that that image sounds kind of true to me i took a slightly different um reading from it which is she's almost treating this poem that she's written as like kind of like trash you know mm, so okay yeah i also yeah maybe both of those things are true i'm yeah I see what you're yeah, a bit like a bit like this thing that to me is just kind of rubbish. You know, this is something I came up with in no time at all. My discarded poems are, um, you know, on the on the on the same level as the ones that you spend, you know, ages, you know, slaving over, crafting away at. Um, but but I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair. It's it's a brief moment, but it's very memorable. As usual, right? Uh, Dayu usually has like one small scene per chapter, but it's always some kind of uh, like rock star gesture. Uh. <laughs> yeah, she comes in um, always with a kind of flurry, always with a blaze, you know. It goes out on a high note. Uh, did you have much in the way of thoughts about um, that interaction between... Bao Yu and Bao Chai when she's helping him with the single changing the, the, the single phrase in his poem. It seems her attitude is less dismissive and more kind of authoritative. Like she's she takes the role of the scolding teacher a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And he does he does um say that he'll refer to her as um as teacher after this. There was an exchange afterwards where he he says I you know I shan't be able to treat you like a sister anymore uh, now that she's his teacher quote unquote and this sets off Bao Chai you know uh, she says I'm no sister of yours and she points to Yuan Chun as like you know that's your sister up there uh, you know the the use of of like sister as a term um, to describe um, a woman who's not literally your sister but who you know is of a similar age to you i think is quite common um in i guess in this book but also even like nowadays in china you know i can remember from being there it wasn't uncommon but do you think here she's making a point this is this is maybe expressing something about their changing relationship so you know 
to begin with they were just mm. kind of cousins and now they've kind of become friends and perhaps now she is starting to see him as a potential romantic partner right so i mean he also uses sort of familial terms a, a comparable familial term with Dayu, right he'll refer to her as uh like lin mei mei right yeah and so uh i'm not sure if that's a comparable kind of i mean because because mei mei is diminutive and that's kind of more in line with a, a kind of a patriarchal uh husband wife relationship whereas sister jie jie is more uh, that could be you know your older sister is in a sense above you in the hierarchy maybe maybe that is um in a sense deflationary oh okay so i'm not sure yeah so she just feels like it's mm. that's a good point i, I want to think about that more and see as it progresses whether we can pick up on some more hints uh one way or the other well i'm just keeping an eye out for it you know seeing how the relationship yeah. develops um I think perhaps we may have to leave it there. We can come back and I think next time we pick up we can look at these poems in full because there are a whole diff you know there are a whole number I think there are there are 10 in total um, to work through. And you know they each have their own points of interest and, and, and things to kind of to consider and discuss. So we should take the time to to give them the time they, they require.